0: G'day Troy Dean from WP Elevation and welcome to episode 34 of the WP Elevation podcast. Our feature guest this week is Thomas Griffin from Griffin Media. Uh, You may know him as the man behind the soliloquy slider, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. Uh, the WordPress responsive slider uh, and more recently he's teamed up with Syed from WP Beginner to bring us Optin Monster, the lead capture plugin for WordPress that has this really cool exit intent technology which allows you to capture people's email addresses just as they're about to exit your site. There's some really cool detailed technical stuff going on in this plugin uh, like being able to target uh, an offer to someone based on the page that they're on on your website. Some really advanced functionality. And uh, Thomas has decided or has agreed to give away a pro license of the Monster plugin valued at $199 for this episode of the podcast. So make sure you watch the interview and learn how to enter that competition. And in this episode, Thomas shares with us the importance of networking, getting out of the building, attending WordPress meetups and attending WordCamps. Uh, Early on when he was starting out as a consultant, his network was the thing that Uh, Drove work into his business and allowed him to work with clients like Wendy's and HBO and some some really big brands just because of the network of people that he had. And then when he launched products, when he launched the Soliloquy Slider, some of his earliest users were people like Syed from WP Beginner, Jared Atchison, Bill Erickson, who were very well connected themselves. So these early adopters started using his product and then started spreading the word for him. So the importance of building a network. This is a fantastic episode. Thomas is full of great advice, some of which I absolutely agree with, and we spoke off camera about how similarly we approach things and and how uh, similar our our thoughts are and our philosophies are on business. So I'm a big fan. I hung out with him last year at Pressnomics, and I'm very thrilled to have him now on the podcast. Uh, Let's go meet Thomas Griffin. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by Obox Mobile. O B O X Mobile. It's a plugin from the guys at Obox Themes that you can get at Code Canyon for just $35. And what it does is it allows you to turn your WordPress website into a mobile friendly site. Not a responsive site, it's not a responsive design plugin. It allows you to choose what content you want to show on the homepage, recent posts or a widgetized homepage. So it allows you to very quickly build a custom mobile solution and mobile experience uh, of websites. The reason I love this is because it allows us to rapidly speed up our development process for clients and it allows us to sell a new service in the business, which is mobile-friendly sites. not responsive, but mobile-friendly. You can check out a video walkthrough of this and download some email templates and templates for your proposals at wpelevation.com slash Oboxmobile O-B-O-X-M-O-B-I-L-E. Um, as I said, there's a video walkthrough there of how the plugin works and some uh, email swipe files and proposal templates you can use to start selling mobile versions of websites to your clients. Check it out and you can get the plugin at Code Canyon for $35. Okay. Elevation tip of the week here is get out of the building and network. Uh, That might sound really obvious, but this is the big takeaway that I got from this interview uh, with Thomas Griffin. And I know when I first started out as a consultant, I was, um, you know, I didn't have the confidence to get out there and really start networking because I wasn't sure about my skills, frankly. I wasn't convinced that I was the best developer, and I wasn't, and I'm still not. I'm a terrible programmer. Um, I know what my strength is now, but back then I was really unsure of where I kind of fit into the. WordPress ecosystem and I was really nervous about getting out of the building and networking people. I eventually went along to my first WordCamp and spoke at my first WordCamp about the video user manuals and white label CMS plugins that we make and about how to make the client experience better using WordPress. And that was great. It really helped me start building relationships with the WordCamp organizers here in Australia. And over the last few years it's just exploded. and Now, I've been very fortunate to travel all over the world meeting WordPress entrepreneurs, going to Pressnomics, WordCamp in Europe. And in a couple of weeks, I'm flying to WordCamp Chicago and I'm speaking there. And I'm, you know, just honored and humbled by how amazing the network and the community is in WordPress. So the tip of the week this week is please get out of the building, get along to your nearest WordPress meetup. That's probably the easiest way to start. Just go to meetup.com and look for a WordPress meetup in your local area and get along and introduce yourself. It will do wonders for your uh, confidence. It will bring more work into your business. Building a network uh, is critical. Okay. Thomas Griffin is the man behind Soliloquy Slider and more recently Optin Monster, his partnership with Syed from WP Beginner. He's a dude. I met him last year at Pressnomics. He's awesome. He's got a really great uh, energy about him. He's very chilled out, very relaxed, but he's got a great sense of humor uh, and he's got a really good charisma. When you spend some time, and I mean that in all sincerity, I hope that's not weird, but uh, when you spend some time with him in, in person, he's just a really easy person to be around and he's I, in this interview, I was blown away by how much thought he puts into his WordPress business. He's super smart and got a lot of great advice for all of us. So without further ado, let's go meet Thomas Griffin. G'day, Troy Dean here from the WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from Charlotte in New Jersey, is it, or New York? North Carolina. North Carolina. North <laughs> Carolina. Nowhere near New York or New Jersey, Charlotte, North Carolina. Thomas Griffin from Griffin Media, uh, famously known for the Soliloquy Slider and more recently opt-in Monster. Hey, Thomas, how you doing?
1: Oh, I'm doing great, Troy. I'm excited to be on the show today. Uh, thank you for having me. Oh man, to, uh,
0: thanks for doing press- it. We uh, we hung out at Pressnomics last year and got chatting about all things WordPress and it's taken us a little while to get you on the show, but I'm uh, I'm pleased to have you here. So. Um, a quick competition announcement, Thomas has very kindly uh, offered to give away a pro license of the Optin Monster plugin, which is epic, valued at $199, so stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. Okay, before we start talking about all things wordpress and plugins and business and entrepreneur stuff, when you were a kid, Thomas Griffin, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: I wanted to be a professional golfer uh, slash somebody who wanted to own their own business. Oh, that's
0: true. So, like, so why don't you why don't you own like a pro golf shop or something?
1: You know, I I really have thought about that at some point. I would love to own a nice golf facility, practice range, uh, something that's better than your standard golf driving range that people who don't belong to a golf club can still go to and get a good experience for. Ah. I never had that as a kid. And uh, in the event that I can find a way where that's profitable, I definitely think that would happen in the future.
0: Awesome. Have you ever made themes for golf clubs or golf tournaments?
1: I haven't, but now that I'm more into products, I don't really do much. I don't do a lot of client work now, but because of that, I now use the skill of building websites as a bartering tool. So a lot of the time, golf courses, uh, for example, the club that I'm at now, I bartered with them with the website in order to get a zero initiation fee. So I'll have to pay this monthly fee. So I definitely have used the skill of website design to my advantage.
0: Awesome. (laughs) I love it. Uh, When did you discover the web? When did you discover the internet and go, wow, this is something that I want to spend my time doing? My very first experience with the web, per
1: se, was uh, my dad got this uh, Compaq. I think it was a compact Presario computer, big old honking white box with America Online, you know, because they, they gave out those CDs, I mean, like crazy. And so my dad got one, got us on the Internet, and I remember hooking through the, the Internet system to call my grandmother. And I remember hearing her talk through a computer and I'm like, whoa, what is this? Uh, and then from there, my dad got onto eBay, and uh, I thought eBay was the most greatest awesome thing. I was big into Pokemon when I was a kid, so I'd started my first business on eBay in middle school,
0: and that was really my first foray
1: into the web.
0: Wow! And how did that business go? Did you like? Did you have to like market yourself, and were you like, you know, <laughs> producing blog posts about Pokemon? <laughs> You, you know, it was, uh, it was
1: interesting, one, because, you know, eBay, you had to be 18 years or older. And I obviously was not 18. So my, uh, my dad kind of signed up the account, but I ran everything. And uh, from there, you know, it was, I was competing with other people trying to figure out, all right, how do I make my listing better and more attractive so that I can get more views and more people to bid on it? But on my stuff versus somebody else, and so I, I was already big into the keywords. Like, all right, what 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 do people type in order to find this stuff? <laughs> How my best gonna be found? And actually, I d- I did a, a post on my personal blog that uh, from the time that I started I in middle school, I think from maybe seventh to ninth grade, I think I made almost fifteen thousand <laughs> <Wow. laughs> dollars selling, selling Pokemon cards.
0: That's awesome. That's like that's a pretty successful business for a middle schooler, right?
1: Yes, definitely. Now if I only had the money knowledge that I had now of how to save it and be smart with it, <laughs> not waste away on things that you know that kind of lost their value very quickly. But oh, man. it was oh, pretty man. successful for, for a middle school kid.
0: When did you discover WordPress? Do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard?
1: Actually I do. I was uh, I was in college. It was my, I believe it was my sophomore or junior year. And I remember it was one Sunday. I was, I had no money in college. I was tired of being poor. I was tired of not having any money. I had a job, but I couldn't get another one and still do school and you know, still do that, do school well. And so I thought, well, why don't I just try to make some money online? And so I got into doing that and I found out, all right, I need to get a website going I bought hosting from GoDaddy, I think, like a website and hosting from that, and I tried to figure out how to install WordPress, and for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what a root folder was, On like with FTP, I was like, what the heck is this? I spent six hours trying to figure it out, I gave up for a month. Came back to it, finally, by the grace of God, somehow I figured out how to get it up, and I saw the WordPress dashboard come up, and I thought, ah, all right, now I can finally get started. <laughs> And uh that was a good feeling. Very good feeling. So and what, I think it was WordPress two point six five. Right. So it was way back
0: then. Looks very different from how it looks today. So why didn't you uh why didn't you go down the Joomla or the Mambo route or the Drupal route?
1: You know, I, I actually I never got I never got into that because the very first thing that I discovered was WordPress. And right. I thought then I saw, I saw the famous five-minute installation. I thought, all right, if it really takes five minutes, then, I mean, it must be pretty easy to use because that's really what I cared about. I mean, I was, I was somewhat tech savvy, but not really. And uh, so I thought, well, I can figure out and hack my way around as long as I can get it installed. And so the five-minute installation was like, all right, this is worth it. I found some reviews on why WordPress was good, and I just kind of stuck with it. Uh,
0: social proof and some testimonials, hey, so it all, it all worked. Um, when, you, when you think about what you do today at, at Griffin Media with the different roles that you have and the different products and projects you're involved in when you meet someone for the first time and they say hey Thomas what do you do, how do you describe that in one sentence, what's your elevator pitch so to speak
1: oh gosh uh, basically what, what I tell most people in a way that they understand is I build products and services for people who build websites because right. uh, you know, a lot of, lot of the audience for the products that I've got are are people who are consultants or developers who are building websites for people and they'll use my stuff to either with a slider or for lead generation or for gallery whatever it might be and so that's pretty much the the way that i describe it so and uh most people seem to understand that i don't have to be too techie with it and what do you
0: what do you actually spend most of your time doing day to day
1: well, I spend a lot of the time, uh, and it's it's interesting. I've actually just started to transition transition roles from what I have been doing to what I will be doing. Most most of my day had been handling support and then figuring out, all right, what features are customers asking for. What do I, you know, what's priority? All right, is there a big bug that's going to be affecting everybody? Does that need to get fixed today? Um, Or, you know, is it something that can be pushed in another feature, uh, a scheduled feature release? Uh, So most of the time I wake up in the morning and the first thing that I do is handle support and emails. So try to get those, get my inputs down to zero. And then I'll work, I'll spend the rest of the morning trying to figure out, all right, uh, what do I need to build today? You know, what features need to happen today? And then continue to get back to support. Now, as, as I'm continuing to grow and it's, it's hard for me to handle and manage everything um, because they have, they've done pretty well. And uh, for me to be able to keep, keep a good level of support, you know, good level of development and still keep vision, now we've got people on the team that I'm guiding. And I'm saying, okay, this is what needs to get done. Here's, here are the tasks that I need you to do. And then I'm focusing on all right, what's the next big feature that needs to get done? Or what's the next big product that needs to be built? And how do we need to build it in order in a a way that it's going to solve a customer's problem and that can turn them
0: into a raving fan of the product? And so, how do you, how how have you found that transition of? Of a letting go of control, of doing customer support, and training other people how to follow the process and how to follow the system. How have you known how to do that? Has it just been trial and error?
1: Yes, it's it's been a lot of trial and error.
0: Um,
1: it's it's been frustrating at times, and it's been good at times. Um, one is you know just just part of part of the process of growing is yeah you've got to you've got to let go of control of some stuff, and that's really hard to do. You know, especially something like Soliloquy, where you know it's it's been around for a couple of years. It was my baby. It was birth, the very first product that I built. And so, handing that off to let someone else start handling the pre-sales questions and handling some of the support questions is tough because you know, all right, are they going to, you know, because I'm a small a small company, and so you know, I am the face of the product. You know, my personality comes out in the product. How are we gonna to continue to communicate that type of message even when it's not necessarily me responding? And so that's been interesting in trying to figure out, all right, now I've gotta think of system and process. You know, it's no longer just, it's all in my brain. I've gotta get it out on paper and I've gotta make workflows out of it and, and train and refine that. And so that's, that's the shift that I'm making, you know, in, in getting it out and getting, making my businesses less dependent on me and and getting a team
0: of people around it. We're going to come back and talk a little bit. Say again?
1: It's been a fun transition.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're going to come back and talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, What's the one thing that keeps you awake at night?
1: Uh, Oh, gosh. Um, I've had many different things keep me awake. One, uh, we've had uh, some issues with with server issues. I mean, that's... you know, I get alerts from uh, Pingdom uh-huh. that tell uh-huh. me my server's down, but just going to sleep and, you know, because cause the web and being being up on the internet is the lifeblood of my business. So if I'm not up and people can't find me or buy the products, I mean, that's no good. And now that I've got employees and I've got people that I'm managing, it's not just me anymore. It's not just my livelihood. When it was my livelihood, yeah, I mean, if it went down, you know, it would hurt me a little bit, but I'd get over it. Now that it's not just me but it potentially affects a whole bunch of other people, now it's like critically important that this stuff doesn't happen. And so that definitely keeps me up at night. And then I've found that a lot of times I wake up in the middle of the night and have an idea and write it down and then I can't just stop there and then I have to go and like flesh out the idea. And so that kind of stuff kind of keeps me up at night too. That's the fun stuff <laughs> that keeps you awake at night though, yeah? So it's, like, it's like you wake up and it's 3 in the morning. And you have this idea and I'm thinking, all right, why couldn't I have just thought this like during the middle of the day
0: when I have lots of energy, but now I've got to wake up and do it because if I don't, I'll forget. <laughs> what, do you do when you're, what do you do when you're not working? How do you maintain kind of balance and keep your head together? I play
1: a lot of golf. Uh, actually, I'm the, uh, the coach of a high school golf team. Uh, so this is, this is my second year coaching. And so we just finished up our season uh, last week, actually. Uh, our team won our conference championship, which was awesome. And uh we had a couple guys go to the state championship. They played well enough to qualify to play in the states. And so when I'm not working, uh when I when I try to find free time, I'm either out playing golf or disc golf. I just I love I love the sport of golf, no matter if it's a disc or
0: you're hitting a ball. <laughs> disc golf. What's disc golf? I'm not familiar with disc golf.
1: Um, so disc golf is basically it's uh familiar with the frisbee mm-hmm. right so it's it's almost like a frisbee um but you and it's the same idea of golf you have a certain amount of yards you have like a par three, four, five. Mm-hmm. but instead of in a hole you go into a chain link type basket and you're trying to throw the discs into the basket And so a lot of times you're in wooded areas and you've got trees and different other things uh, to go through. A lot of times you'll have a a cutout fairway with a dog leg. You'll be around a river. um, And it's played just like golf, except you've got a disc and you're throwing it. And you have different types of discs. You have a driver, you have a mid-range, you've got a putter. And based on that disc will determine, you know, how much – not necessarily
0: spin but how much it's going to turn one way or the other and so it's pretty wow. fun. That sounds awesome. I'd like to give that a shot. Hey, I'm coming out I'm coming yeah. out to the states at least once this year, hopefully twice. If you, if we if we managed to cross paths, I love golf, right? But I've got this awful awful slice. That is so consistent. I have to actually tee off on a forty-five degree angle just to get it on straight on the fairway, right? So if we cross paths again, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up to take me out to driving range and get me to fix this slice once and for all. For
1: real, for real, I can do it. I've awesome. fixed many slices, so
0: be in the next proud deck. Awesome. <laughs> um, if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing about your business right now, what would it be? Oh gosh a magic wand to fix one thing
1: I think if uh, I could wave a magic wand and no customer ever had any issue with my products and never <laughs> submitted any support <laughs> that would be wonderful then I could always just keep building new stuff uh, yeah, 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 because yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and and we've seen um, you know just the posts uh, and the stuff recently with WP engine um, you you live and die by support. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how how good your product is. I mean, you know, it works great, but if you're not supporting your customers, that word is going to get out way faster than some other bug that you've got. You know, and I'll be the first to admit that I'm not perfect at this. Uh, you know, especially the past couple months with golf, there have been times where I've just been in over my head, and uh, you know, and unfortunately, support hasn't been the best. Um, but with that being said, it's always at the forefront of my mind. like I, it's I mean it is it's almost the lifeblood of your business and you're gonna live and you're gonna die by it. And you know something like uh, chick-fil-A here in the states, they're so popular because their service is so good and that creates raving customers. I think that's even part of their their training material talking about how you create loyal, Raving diehard customers, and that's what I want to create. And part of that is service. You know, you just have to be really good at support. You know, and even if you can't get the answer right the first time, to let that that the customer knows that you're genuinely working on it and trying to get a resolution to their problem, and going above and beyond really says a lot about them, a lot about your business.
0: Mm. Who is that company you mentioned? Uh, Chick fil A. Chick Fil A. How do you spell that? I'm going to yeah. put that in the show notes. It's
1: C H I C - F I L - A. Right.
0: Uh, um, so What do they do? Uh,
1: so Chick Fil A is a fast food restaurant, but they specialize in nothing but chicken. Uh-huh. Um, they their, their slogan is "We didn't invent the chicken, just the chicken sandwich." Uh, so they have the most amazing chicken sandwiches, and and just their food in general is is really really good. Uh, their prices are more expensive than places like McDonald's or whatever, but people go there because their service is so incredible. Um, you know, one, one of the things, because I worked there for about eight months, uh, mm-hmm. one of their marketing things is uh, my pleasure. You always say my pleasure. But it doesn't matter what the customer wants, anything, you're always saying my pleasure to them. And, you know, just the level of service that you get speaks volumes about uh, about their business and it's I think it's why they're it's so popular and
0: they do so well all right I'm gonna put them in the show notes I've just got their website there up I'm gonna stick them in the show notes thank you for sharing we don't have Chick-fil-a in Australia but I look forward to trying them out when I'm stateside uh, in a few weeks all right let's talk about um, <clears throat> let's talk about what you're doing today and where you've come from so for those who don't know you you kind of came onto the wordpress product scene with the soliloquy slider yeah before that you were doing some consulting work yeah yes so Uh, i did uh, did a bunch of that so how did you at what point did you say you know i think there's some i think there's something to be leveraged here in selling products and at at what point did you have the idea for the one product that you know when did all these kind of ideas crystallize and go okay this is the the one thing that i'm going to make
1: Well, you know, I got, I got started in college and I, you know, I built the first WordPress site, figured out some stuff. I think I started with thesis, the theme uh, was working and learning through that. Someone on the forums needed some help, paid 50 bucks to do it. I was like, all right, I can do that. It took me 15 minutes and I thought, all right, this is the business I want to be in. From there, the consulting work that I did you know it started out small well i got I got in touch with somebody that did work for uh, Reebok and Dick Sporting goods HBO, big big companies and that really pushed me in to working with these people that wanted the same stuff over and over and over. and so I was tired honestly it was it was almost more for me than it was for the client because I was tired of building custom sliders and then them coming back to me saying. Uh, can you put in these new images and change out the old ones? And I'm like, I-, I gave you like documentation on how to do this. And it's right there in the admin for you to do this. And, and they were like, you know, well, we just don't have time. And I didn't want to be doing that type of stuff. I would charge it, but that's not what I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, all right, I'm just going to bill it into one of my projects. I'm going to bill in a little bit extra, but I'm going to tell them, I'm going to build you something and you're going to be able to edit yourself. And so that's when it started in October of 2011. That's what Soliloquy started with. So I built it and I think the entire project maybe took six weeks. And I basically from there, I had a frame, like a framework for Soliloquy. And I thought, okay, the client loves it. Like I I remember getting the email saying, you know, like in all caps, Thomas, oh my gosh, this is wonderful this is so much easier than before. And I thought, okay, I can't be the only person, one, building this type of stuff, or this can't be the only client that wants this. I really think the only other type of competitor out there was the Nevo slider. Uh, I think they they were one of the first to be kind of the premium WordPress slider types out there. And so I thought, all right, well, why don't I just try to build this into a distributed product? You know, I, I wasn't really sure how, how it was going to work and then, but I knew from having worked with Neva a little bit before that there, some of the things were a little bit careless about asset loading, and then some of the other things, I was just like, I think I could do this a little bit better. And so I spent the rest of the time uh, building out the product and making it into a distributable fashion trying to figure out how licensing and all that stuff worked because none of the no, there was no easy digital download software licensing or anything like that at the time so I built in my own custom system and uh, I put it out on the market uh, in April and a lot of developers picked up on it and thought wow this is really nice like this makes our workflow a lot easier and there are lots of hooks and filters to go in and change stuff and I don't have to be building custom stuff and it's drag and drop and clients love that. And from there, it just, people found and saw value in it and it, word got out and people was like, yeah, this thing works really well and
0: it's pretty consistent and solid and it just kind of grew from there. So how did you get your first, like do you remember how you got your first five five customers to buy this? Like, I mean, you weren't like, at that point, you weren't going along and speaking at WordCamps. You weren't like one of the lead developers in the WordPress project. Like how did you get traction? How did you get those first batch of customers?
1: Uh, you know the first batch. Actually, uh, my very first interaction with the plugin was with Sahib, and it was at WordCamp Atlanta. February, it was in February two thousand twelve. I was speaking. I had just built uh, the TGM plugin activation class. I just built and got it out there, which now like every ThemeForest user, you know, in the history of mankind uses it now. Um, and I just built that, so I was speaking on that topic, and I. I was working on that thing a little bit, and so Syed came out and asked me. I'd, I'd never met him before, talked about it. He was like, oh, that's really interesting. He's like, you should talk to me. You know, we'll we'll market this, and I didn't listen to him, and I wish I had. I probably could have made a lot more money had I known back then. Um, but the I I was good friends with uh, Jared Atchison and Bill Erickson, uh, some of those guys, big Genesis developers, Um and so they, they were some of the first people to use it. And then they started, people were asking them like, hey, what is this thing you've used? And they told them that. And so I really think the first, the first gosh, maybe 20 customers were just me and those guys and just getting the word out and spreading the word that way. You know? So it was mostly friends or developers or people that I already knew that knew that I was working on it, that wanted to buy it from me and test it out.
0: So that first batch of guys that you're talking about they were they're really well connected in the WordPress scene too, like the Jared Atchison's yep. and the Bill Ericksons of the world and the Syeds of the world. they're your early adopters, they're the ones who are using your product to begin with, and they're really well connected, so then they go and spread the message to their followers. That's, was that a conscious thing, or did you just kind of luck out on that one
1: no i uh at that point, I was still very, very, very developer centric right. i i had I had no concept of marketing. And I and I still don't have a perfect concept of marketing, but I've made that transition from understanding there's, there's a line between being a developer of a product and being able to market a product. And at that point, I had no clue how to market a product. You know, I, I had no clue about marketing in general. And so, you know, I was just kind of going out into the wild and I was fortunate enough, one, to learn that uh, affiliates are very good I was toward early on you need an affiliate program, and so affiliates definitely helped get me off, uh, you know, get things rolling, get things started, um, you know. But just those people in general, just telling telling others about the product, that was that was how I first got into it. But yeah, I, I I knew absolutely zilch about marketing. <laughs>
0: and you uh you fell in with some like syed's you know syed from w w p beginner who we'll talk about more in a moment is a, is a great content marketer I mean he's nailed content marketing in the WordPress space, so you kind of fell in with some really experienced people who early on
1: yes i you know unbeknownst to me i I had no clue the relationships that I was building you know and, and the people that that took time to talk with me and you know invest in me and all that you know i really didn't know what type of influence that they had and so you know i'm very grateful and humbled that me as a guy who couldn't offer anything uh you know they still you know they still took time to invest in me and talk with me and even you know take the chance on buying and using something that i built
0: so get out of the building and get get along to WordPress meetups and WordCamps and meet people and expand your network. That's the the key takeaway yes. there, yeah.
1: Yes, yes.
0: You know, be be out, be visible.
1: Uh, give back to the community in some form or fashion. You know, get your name out there and and be known, and then and then marketing from there is a lot easier. <laughs>
0: mm. Okay, so Soliloquy Slide is kind of ticking along for a while, and then when I met you at Pressnomics, you had launched opt-in monster or you were about to launch opt-in monster or, had, you, or yeah. you just had yep. yeah yeah
1: i think it was it's fresh like maybe <clears throat> maybe <two> weeks
0: <laughs> excuse me and so this is a partnership between you and syed from wp beginner yeah yes so how correct. did that come about
1: we were uh it was it was later when was this it was later that year actually at WordCamp raleigh uh, I was up at WordCamp Raleigh in November of 2012, and I was speaking on using AJAX in uh, in WordPress plugins because at the time it was kind of like a dark, uh, you know, a dark unbeaten or non trailblazed path. Nobody really knew like, all right, how do you really use AJAX in your WordPress plugins? And so I decided to give a topic on that. And it happened during the lunch that I sat down and Syed came and sat down right beside me. He was like, yeah, you remember me? I'm from WordCamp Atlanta, you know, all that. So we got to talking and, uh, you know, he was like, man, next time you got a a product idea, hit me up. You know, maybe we could work together. And so I was like, okay, I, I didn't really think much about it. Well, it got to be, I think one day I was, I don't remember I was going, I was sitting waiting for something and I had an idea. And so I just emailed him and I, I said, hey, what do you think about this idea? He pinged me back and he was like, well, we can make some money, but I don't really think you want to, to do this, but what about this idea? And he so he told me about it, which which turned into OptiMonster. And I thought, yeah, like that sounds like a great idea. You know, it's... And Unfortunately, the space is filled with a lot of really spammy, not not so good type of people. You know that are really horrendous with support and all that. And I thought, man, you know, like what a what a chance to really redeem something in the WordPress space that has a ton of value, lead generation, right? And so we met up. Uh, you know, we met up uh, in January and got together, sat down, and we're talking about, right, what ideas do we want? What do we want in this future? And we both liked it. You know, we, we both kind of share the same type of business values and business goals. And so we thought, all right, well, let's give this thing a shot. And so we started working on it, and then we got it launched out in September. Well, September 2012?
0: 2012. 2013. 2013. Okay, so it's new. It's this is only like seven, eight, nine, nine months on the market, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, it's, so, it's so for those that don't know, explain exactly what Optin Monster does and why it's different to something like Pop Up Domination or any of those other pop up plugins around. Sure.
1: Yeah. So, Optin Monster is uh, for lead generation uh, in WordPress, and so it's opt-in forms for WordPress, geared at you know. Uh, a sales funnel of some sort, you know, it connects to an email service provider, with, whether that be MailChimp or Constant Contact or AWeber and FusionSoft, whatever it might be. And it it, it uh, takes our OptiMonster builder and gives you a way to build in opt-ins that will then, you know, hopefully convert into those funnels. But the, the big selling feature is the exit intent technology that we have in it, which is... Unlike other pop-ups, it's not like a delay or a timed type of pop-up, but rather it only shows up when the user is showing intent to leave your page, right? Because there's a statistic that 70% of people who leave your site will never return. So it's vitally important that in some way you try to to get some type of information from this customer to market to them in the future because the odds are they're never going to come back, that you've lost that lead. And so with Exit Intent, it's targeted in that they can go all around your site, but right before they leave, it'll show a pop-up for them. So it's almost like a free page view that gets their attention and you do some type of call to action or value proposition to try to get them to subscribe to your email list. And that's really the defining feature that's different from the other pop-up plugins. Uh, And so that's kind of what, what our... You know what our selling point and selling feature was, and it continues to be, and that was where it really differentiated from the other competitors in the market.
0: Okay, so tell me, <laughs> let's have this conversation about opt-ins and popovers because I'm a huge fan of popovers and opt-ins. You know, I've built two pretty successful businesses out of collecting email addresses. So you preach to sure the converted here, but I have this conversation all the time at WordPress meetups and WordCamps and business conferences. People hate these things. There are people who, like when I say that we have pop-ups on our form, it's like they, they turn into this possessed devil and they want to like kill me for, you know, for this, like they think it's spammy and it's, you know, really bad marketing. How, wh- what do you say to people who, when you get that feedback, like this stuff is spammy and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of internet market-ish, how do you overcome that objection?
1: Uh, well one I, when you when you seriously talk to you know because a lot of a lot of these critics aren't running or having their own business. They're probably developers who already are very tech savvy, they already understand how they use the web they have they have rhythms and patterns of how they use it, whereas the average user does not have this right they don't they do not have a framework for that. Obviously, some pop-ups can be annoying if you do it in the wrong way. I mean, if as soon as you come to the site, there's something right there. I mean, like, oh, you know, that that could definitely be annoying. But when you you really understand the statistic of 70% of people that are leaving your website never return, and digital and being on the internet, whether it be e-commerce or whatever, is the lifeblood of your business then it becomes very, very, a very crucial part of the conversation of, if we aren't converting them on the website, what is our last ditch effort to try to get them to get into our sales funnel? And so exit intent is that answer, right? It's, it's the last effort that you've got to say, you've been on my site looking at four pages for one minute, but you have not given me any information. Here's, I've noticed, that you've finished on this page, so I'm going to show you a targeted campaign to try to get you to say to try to convince you that what we have to offer is worth your time, is worth your email address, mm. and so and see business owners really get and understand that um, you know the the audience for Op- Optin Monster is not your uh, spammy blogger type, uh, what you would think. You know, our our typical customer is. Um, medium to big size businesses because they understand and they understand the value of their customer and they want to capture that customer. And so for them, exit intent, it just makes sense, right? Because if someone's already had a bad experience with their site, with your site, they're going to leave anyway. Mm. Right. And so a pop-up isn't going to really change that. They've already had a bad experience. They're not going to come back anyway. If they had a good experience and then you offer something targeted to them, that gives them true value, then yeah. Sure, they'll give that to you. I mean, it's mm. it's like a no brainer. So, that's that's what I try to tell them and convince them.
0: This is, you know, <clears throat> I this I do a little bit of consulting with uh, with small business around just basic kind of digital marketing and internet strategy. And what you know, I think the lowest hanging fruit. You look at ninety nine percent of business websites on the internet; they are not doing any lead capture. If anything, they've got. Uh, you know, a form somewhere that says sign up for our newsletter, which, of course, nobody is going to sign up for your newsletter unless you are like, you know, Seth Godin, you know, or the Harvard <laughs> yeah. Business Review or Inc.com or like if you're a massive player, then sure, people are going to sign up for your newsletter. But no one's going to sign up for a newsletter from a, for an average small business because nobody cares about what's going on in your business. All they care about is how what you do can help them and what's in it for them. So I think lead capture is like the lowest hanging fruit on any, just about any industry and any niche that that we work in. And yet I think the reason that people don't do lead capture is because it actually takes a a fair bit of work to actually develop an offer that you can put in front of people to get them to give you their email address.
1: It does, you know, and, and people don't, uh, they don't realize that or the ones that, that do realize that, um, you know it's it's just like it does it takes time because if you serious if you're seriously considering how can i provide enough value for somebody to give me that piece of information it's going to take some time you're not going to take lightly of how am i going to format this white paper uh, so that you know it's it's good for the person that wants to opt into it and then it might take you a week or more to format this white paper you know it it takes work but you have to keep that in mind with what's the value of this customer right if uh you know for example my wife works at a an event rentals company a value of their customer for one party you know, it could be five or six thousand dollars mm. so what what truly is the cost for you to spend 10 hours to put together something of true value that might capture three or four hundred percent more of the visitors on your site you know it's Statistics, you know, statistics and percentage-wise, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, you want to do that.
0: As I said, <laughs> you preach to the converted here. Um, okay, so uh, let's talk about the relationship with Syed. So, how did how did this come about? And is it like do you, like who handles marketing? Who handles support? What's the how does the kind of intricacies of that business relationship work?
1: Yeah, so uh, Syed is obviously a very gifted content marketer, and he's he's a very good designer. Right, he's got a very good eye for design and designing designing things that will convert. And so he handles the marketing aspect of it, the networking aspect of it, which is so crucial because he he just he has so many connections, you know. And um, and then the design pieces of it, I handle all the technical pieces, and then we kind of tag team support. Um, you know, obviously the technical bugs and stuff I will get. But you know, he will go in and he'll have ha- answer the pre-sale types of questions. You know, he's he's very good with customers. Um and so that's that's kind of how we work uh in tandem on that.
0: And um I you know, I I don't sort of ever talk about revenues and I don't want to get into that, but I just do want to ask how's business? How's it going? How how is Optin Monster being received in the market?
1: Uh Optin Monster is uh It's it's very good, Uh, you know, obviously without without giving out numbers or anything, but it's uh, in in the first however long it's already far and well surpassed uh, soliloquy. I mean, it just it kind of. It, it went fast and didn't even wave, you know, didn't even wave whenever it went past it. Uh, so <laughs> it just kind of soared. Um, wow. And it's, it's continuing to grow. And so that's, that's been really nice uh, to go. So business is good.
0: Awesome. That, that's great. And do you think, do you think it's because Monster actually offers the customer some real value into the business, which is leads, whereas Soliloquy Slider solves a problem and speeds up a process... But doesn't mm-hmm. actually show the customer. Well, this is how this thing can be valuable for your business. Uh,
1: well, it's you know it's a little bit of a little bit of that. Uh, another is a little bit of just price, right? Optin Monster is ju- is more expensive than Soliloquy, and uh, even though the number of sales are somewhat similar, although Optin Monster does more, the revenues are that much greater because the price is more. Mm. And, you know, a lot of that is thanks to really good marketing, you know, really marketing uh, Optimonster really well and, and separating it from the other competitors. And so which affords you to be able to charge that premium price for the technology and support that you're getting. And so that's, um, you know, that's one, one, of the, one of the reasons why it's, you know, been propelled and, and done so much better than Soliqluit in terms of revenue. Uh, but then, again, it's, it's like you said, it's people, you know, there's a monetary value with lead generation, especially for the customer that's buying OptiMonster. You know, th- these are customers that already have a lot of money invested into big CRMs and big type of stuff. And so they, they already understand that these customers are very valuable to them. And so for them, it's easy for them to pay this you know, X amount of money, whereas a slider, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, you know, I'm just going to display some images or I'm in a marketing department and I want to be, make sure that the message for all the different people is getting across and they might not find as much value in it. Mm.
0: So how do you market Monster? How, like, what is the marketing channel? Are you doing pay per click? Are you doing are you blogging? Are you doing just affiliates? How are you actively generating leads for Optin Monster?
1: Uh, the we currently have no uh, pay per click or any type of marketing setup like that yet. Uh, it's all um, SEO. You know, so we've done we've done a lot of work. Um, you know, building in you know, writing good content, you know, making sure that the on-page SEO is very good. Um, And then other folks that uh, promote us and refer us, Uh, you know, we've been, we've, uh, we've had some really awesome stories of customers that like use OptinMonster and their email list is blown up and they've wanted to write about us. And fortunately, they've had very strong domains and, uh, you know, they've given us some good link juice. And from that, we've been able to see a lot of traffic. And then we do. We do have uh, quite a few affiliates that uh, promote us as well, and so that's that's been our main mainstream. Uh, we just WordCamp Miami. We did have a big uh, a big banner there, and I think that got the word out to a lot of people in the WordPress space about OptiMonster. You know, it's still very young, so a lot of people don't know about it. Uh, nor do I, nor do many people know that I'm actually the one behind it. So. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of our, our marketing thing now, and I think uh, advertising it's in some form or another will come in the future. Uh, but we still we still have a lot of things that we want to build into OptiMonster. You know, we still have a lot of different uh, features and functionality that that we are currently building or haven't processed, but aren't there yet. And so, you know, we we still have a ways before before this thing is really you know fully featured and has all the stuff that we want in it.
0: Any plans to build it into a newsletter email marketing system or will it always integrate with third parties? Uh, we, we've talked about
1: that and uh, we're going to talk about that more when we meet up in June. So I don't know yet, but uh, it, uh, it kind of makes logical sense, right?
0: Yeah. It's a big job though, huh?
1: Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it would be a, a very th- big thing to tackle, uh, but we're... We've had conversations about it and we're gonna have a more
0: in-depth and detailed conversation when we meet up in June and we'll see what comes of it. Cool, awesome. All right, before we get into the elevation round, let's talk about these processes we were talking about before. How How do you know, you know, okay, so you were handling support, you've now got a team coming on to help you. How do you know how to manage that team? Are you getting external help from business mentors or advisors? Are you just making this up as you go along? Like, how do you know the process that you go through for getting these processes written down so that you can train your staff?
1: Uh, Well, it's a little bit of both. I I did do some work with project management for IBM when I was in college as part of uh, an ongoing little internship. And so I do at least understand somewhat the the aspects of project management. but. But again, that was a completely different animal where that's a giant multinational company and this is a little company but with lots of remote workers. And so, you know, I've taken some of what I've learned from there and then just other things of thinking, all right, I put myself in the, the other people's shoes. What would they want to see? You know, what would they need in order for them to succeed and to flourish? And then get step back out of that and say, okay, how can I provide that? Uh, and so learning how to manage and run tasks that way. So we've we've picked up using Trello uh, for basically anything not uh, project code-related. So anything not code-related is up on Trello, right? And we have different cards and boards to manage uh, what tasks are in the need to be done, what's in review. Who gets assigned what? What are the due dates for this type of thing? And then using GitHub with issues and milestones to handle any of the code-related type of things, and try to you know try to ensure that we're keeping good deadlines and that and that uh, that the people that are working under me have a sufficient amount of work to continue to keep them busy, but not so much that they feel like they're overloaded.
0: And um, so have you so what happens when you get to a point where a team member is just screaming out, going, I've just got too much stuff here. Like, you know, you you gotta, you gotta help me out because I'm drowning.
1: (laughs) I, you know, I'm, I, I try to be very gracious and very supportive in that and say, all right, you know, look, if it's too much, let's scale it back a little bit. Um, but what, what I would, I would like to ask is why is this too much? Is this something that, on your time that you're doing that is making this too much, is there, are there some efficiencies that need to be gained from personal time management, right? Do you need to read the book, Getting Things Done by David Allen, which is awesome. If you haven't read that, read that book, um, you know, just getting, getting stuff done and learning how to set up processes and systems so that you're more productive and are able to get more done in less amount of time. You know, and so is it, is it, you know, a knowledge and process thing where do I need to invest in making sure that you are being the most effective you? And, you know, it, is that the issue or is it really, yeah, I've got too much on you? And then you know, try to be gracious in that and understanding and maybe back off for a little while and make sure that nobody's got their head underwater. You know, I want people to be productive and efficient and uh, not not begin to, to harvest feelings of bitterness
0: how do you how do you hire staff like how do you what's your criteria for you know is it just all gut feel or how do you know that you've hired the right person and have you ever hired the wrong person and realized within a couple of weeks oh this person is just not right
1: um actually i i've done that with interns that i had last uh with last summer um you know it's they worked well, but then I, I found out from there that a lot of times, you know, I had to be asking them, or I felt like I had to be looking over their shoulder all the time, like, you know, what, what are we working on today? Are we doing this? And so I've learned that for people under me, it's almost not so much the knowledge or the ability to do things, although that is important, and you have to show that you can do that. But is it? Are you going to be a good fit? Uh, you know, one of the things that I like to see is, are you are you self motivated, right? If if all your tasks are dropped, are you gonna sit down and watch TV or are you going to say, man, I saw this on the website the other day, I really think it needs to get fixed and are you gonna do that? That's what I'm looking for. That's the type of employee that I I wanna hire and have on my team.
0: People who are proactive. Um, Yes. Have you read Lynchpin by Seth Godin? Yes, great book. It's a great book, isn't it? Yeah. Every every time we bring anyone on, it's like, read this book. (laughs) Read this book (laughs) and become a lynchpin.
1: Yes, yes. Basically, anything by Seth Godin, just just go ahead and fork out the money. I guarantee you, the time you spend reading it will will be greater investment than what you
0: put in. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. All right, let's do this elevation round. So, cast your mind back to when you were consulting. The elevation round, for those that don't know, WP Elevation is a business accelerator program for WordPress consultants to help you build a serious, decent business as a WordPress consultant. So, I'm going to ask Thomas some quick questions about consulting and freelancing, and he's going to give me some quick answers off the top of his head hopefully what's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant absolutely needs to know you need to be very good at time management
1: understand your limits understand know how much you can get done in a certain amount of time and base and build your projects on that that'll make your life happy if you're married it will make your wife happy <laughs> it'll keep things in balance and that was the number one thing that I had to learn so definitely that
0: What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers?
1: Uh, Network with other people and get to know other folks and I got into a a, a referral kind of network with Bill and Jared and that way if they were too busy then work would come my way and if work was too busy for me I would send work their way and so it was kind of a circle of referrals and that was was the best thing that, that happened for me as far as business was concerned.
0: Nice. How do you stop competing on price?
1: Oh, that's great. Uh, be the Apple, uh, not the Walmart. And you have to think like that. And a lot of that comes down to marketing. And so, uh, if you want to stop competing on price, you need to learn marketing. Learn how to market a product. Once you do that, then price doesn't become a factor.
0: Oh, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, any tips on writing better proposals? Oh, better proposals. Um, when when you are when you're going after a
1: client remember it's not so much about uh, and it's something that i had to learn uh, even which is very tough as a developer is it doesn't have to necessarily be perfect but you have to give the solution that they want don't give the solution that you think that they need give the solution that they want and write that into your proposal and i guarantee you you will convert more sales and more leads into projects than before so and it's, it's a very subtle difference but
0: it's a big one so from a practical point of view like i have this thing where I've, i i i stop mentioning features in proposals so if someone like if a client's saying to me it's really important that we get more eyeballs on our website i instantly think well you need a blog and you need to start putting content up regularly but I don't put that in the proposal. What I put in the proposal is the solution that we provide is going to help you attract more people to your website. The feature that drives that benefit is going to be a blog, and you're going to have to produce some content, but I'm not going to put that in the proposal, because all they're interested in is the outcome, not necessarily the technical stuff that's going to make that happen.
1: Exactly. You know, it's if, uh, because I, I've been fortunate enough to, to know and handle and work with a lot of performance type stuff. And so when people come to me for performance consulting, they don't care about what I'm going to do under the hood. All they care about is I'm going to take their page load time from five seconds to two seconds. And I'll tell them that. They might not know, they don't need to know that I might use the W3 Total Cache plugin and I might have to go in and change some of their queries and all that. They don't care. They just want to know that my site's now loading three seconds faster than before.
0: Exactly. Uh, Do you have a favorite tool for CRM? Uh...
1: Honestly, I uh, because of my consulting days, I worked with lots of big companies. I use Salesforce a ton. I actually thought if I ever got out of WordPress that I would become like a Salesforce, uh, you know, whatever they would be called, um, preferred consultant type uh-huh. thing. And I actually love Salesforce. It's it's very expensive, but they do a really, really good job of of what they do. And so. I know it might be out of the price range for a lot of people, but Salesforce rocks.
0: Cool. Uh, What's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? Communication. Got to communicate
1: all the time. Even if you think it's unnecessary, the client wants to know, hey, what's going on? Even if it's, all right, give them an email that every couple days, hey, this is what's been working on. And then use something like Basecamp. Uh, I use Basecamp for all the projects that I did and uh, so that way they can see activity, they know that you're working on something and that'll keep them happy, it'll keep you happy. It keeps a little bit, You know, it's a little bit more work on your end but I promise you it makes things a lot better and a lot smoother.
0: Did you get get much pushback from clients not wanting to come into Basecamp? They don't wanna join up and they don't wanna sign in and, and, and share that information?
1: You know, I really didn't. I only had one client that didn't want to use it, but it's because they wanted to use a different system. Right. Uh, most of the clients actually appreciated that because they they saw the work that was getting done. Yeah. Uh, they could actively put in their feedback and know that I would see it. Uh, you know, it wouldn't magically get lost in the email abyss. Mm. Um, and so, and they could add in like if uh, I was like, hey, I need this document right here they would upload it to the Basecamp thing. And so most clients actually really liked it and really enjoyed it. I actually had a few that were like, yeah, we want to use this for everything we do. So uh, most of them really liked it.
0: Uh, We just installed a success metric in our business, or it's actually a failure metric, that if a client emails us to find out how a project's going, then we failed. Our job is to give them regular status updates, and we never want to get that email from a client.
1: That's... That's a great metric to track. And that's, that's that's something that's really, yeah, I'd recommend doing that. I wish I would have done it more when I did it. I didn't start doing it until almost I like got afterwards when I finally figured out that they, if I communicate
0: well, that everything gets a lot better. So, mm. great. And you, can, and you can actually buy yourself time and you can buy yourself a bit of peace of mind by saying, hey, we're working on this because they just want to know that there's some developments.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, they, they just want to see that, yeah, I'm working on it. And if you're, if you're actively communicating with them the entire thing of the project and you quoted them six weeks but it looks like it's going to take seven, they're going to be way more understanding if you've been communicating all along the way versus you've gotten one email.
0: And they're like, what in the world have you been doing the entire time? <laughs> That's right. You pop your head up a day before it's due and say, oh, by the way, I need another two weeks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, so any ideas for getting referrals from existing clients? Do
1: really good work and then ask for it. Uh, you know, it's don't feel bad for for asking them. Hey, if you've got any other work or know someone that needs it, send them my way. Especially if you've done a really good job for them. I wish I would have done that. And that's actually how I got my big break into working and doing a lot of corporate and enterprise WordPress consulting. Was I just I did uh, some really good work for this company and they were really happy with it. And I just asked. I was like, hey, you know, if you've got any other work, just uh, feed them my name. And that's how I got in touch with the Food Network and Wendy's and HBO, and VH1 and all that from just from asking that one person, you know, now, if they would have done it, had I not asked, I don't know, but I do know that I asked and lots of work came my way. So especially do really good work, good communication at the end
0: of it, just ask them. Cool. And last question in the elevation round, what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself?
1: The number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself. Uh, find a platform, right? So uh and uh Michael Hyatt talks a lot about this mm-hmm. about build building a platform for yourself. Find a platform that you can stand on and stand on. Sorry my Southern came out there uh, that you can stand on and really own it. Right? So uh I got my platform really, which a lot of people know me for Besides the sliders, the fact that I build stuff that's very fast and very efficient, right? So it's performance optimized, it's performance savvy, and it's efficient. And so they know that when they use something that it's going to be quick, it's not going to be uh, disrupting as far as speed is concerned. And so I've, I've kind of built you know a reputation based on that. And so from that, I've gotten a lot of inquiries for performance consulting. And so, you know, now with OptinMonster, you know, I'm continuing to work on, all right, um, I've got speed and things down. Now I want to work on another platform of lead generation in WordPress. And how are you successfully taking people from a visitor, getting them into your funnel and turning that into dollars, you know, that's tangible money for your business and working into that. So f- find, find a platform that you can stand on and own
0: it. That is awesome advice and it kind of you know we talk a lot about niche marketing and we talk a lot about finding your ideal client and uh, serving them better than anyone else. What I really like about what you're talking about here is because a lot of people have problems identifying their ideal client and defining who their ideal client is right. But essentially, this is a similar kind of thing. it's It's finding what it is you do best and then just owning that and attracting the clients that want that. And I think that's sometimes easier to work out because you know yeah. what it is you do best.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's when when you know and you're confident in what you do and what you do best, it's so much easier to write about it, to talk about it to really to have an air of confidence about that, that people can really feel. They can say, all right, yeah, this guy really knows what he's talking about. And I want that guy on my team to help fix whatever problem they might have. And so, yeah, you know, just finding that platform and using that to attract an audience rather than going and trying to hand pick people, and which is always going to be Subject to, uh, I had some bad decision there. I didn't quite view that right. Whereas, if you're working on really trying to attract that person based on what you offer them, you're way more likely to get somebody who's right up your alley. Mm.
0: How do you deal with the, how do you deal with the fear of like a lot of entrepreneurs have this fear of missing out? Like, well, if you know, if I become the performance expert you know, then there's all this other work I'm going to miss out on. How did you, did you ever have to overcome that? Or if, if not, how would you suggest other people overcome that?
1: Uh, well, right. And that's, that comes back to uh, something that's thrown around in economics a lot. Opportunity cost, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the cost of you not, you doing something versus not doing the other. And for you, that's something that's a lot of times with finding a platform, it's going to be internal. Now, sometimes it may really have a monetary value to it. But you've just got to figure out, all right, think ahead, think in the future, three, five years from now. Is this something that I still want to be doing? Is this something that I'm still going to have a passion for, that I can find a good platform for? And is it something that is going to be able to provide enough to where I'm happy and satisfied with it, right? With, you know, a lot of times the money, and I say it and a lot of people ever – you know say it as well but i mean money doesn't solve everything it's mm. nice to have a lot of it but the more money you get the more money the more ways you find to spend it mm. so mm. find something other than money that you can really stand on platform continue to work in and then if you're good at what you do the money will
0: come mm. great advice what is the future for opt-in monster where do you see this thing in 12 months or two years i see your eyes light up every time we talk about Optin <laughs> monster man you are clearly really passionate about this
1: uh, uh it's there's there's so many different things that that are going to come out of optimonster and there's so many different ideas of uh sister products or um products that uh are not comparable i'm at a loss for word but the complementary compliment, yeah, complimentary yeah. products there's so many complementary products that can go along with this that i mean it really like it just makes me excited for the future of what it is and OptiMonster is just that stepping stone to continue to build uh, that lead generation, you know, the, to continue to build and have good lead generation products and services and WordPress. And so uh, what comes from that in 12, to 12 months to, you know, 18 months to two years, I think there are a lot of different things that might come out of it. It's, uh, and so we're, we're again, we're going to meet in June and really decide and focus on, all right, what's the next step? What makes the most sense, and then move from there. So I'm um, I'm really excited about the future. A lot of sweet things are going to come. I can guarantee you that. Any plans to make it a, a hosted SaaS solution kind of thing? You know, we've we've talked about that actually. When we first got together, that was going to be our our original plan. Uh, but then we we ended up just sticking with WordPress. And so uh, you know we're we've definitely talked about that. A lot of people asked for it. Um, and uh, that'll be another thing that we talk we talk about when we meet up. But uh, you know we're we're not we're not quite sure yet how we want to how we want to approach that. Obviously, there's a lot bigger market out there uh, that can be can, can be touched by having a a you know, SaaS solution. Um, but, you know, we think that there's a lot more opportunity to dig deeper into the WordPress space. So we'll just see what comes of it. I, it's definitely been a topic of conversation. and uh, But we, we still have a lot more
0: things that we want to
1: do with it mm. in, in the mm. WordPress space.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, let's get the feedback from everyone listening to this and watching this podcast. Uh, as I announced at the start of the interview, the competition, Thomas mm. has uh, very kindly offered to donate a pro license of the Optin Monster uh wordpress plugin and I'm just checking this out on the site now. The Pro license is valued at $199. It allows you to install it on unlimited sites, unlimited forms, analytics reporting, A B testing, and it gives you the exit intent technology so you can capture people's leads before they leave your site uh, and you get priority support and updates for one year. It's valued at $199. If you want to enter this competition, leave a comment underneath this video and tell Thomas the number one thing you would like to see in a future version of OptIn Monster, and I'll get Thomas to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize, sound good? Sounds awesome. Awesome, hey man, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the WP Elevation podcast. Uh, Just before we leave, what's the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business apart from partner up with Syed early on?
1: <laughs> that is a great piece of advice. Um,
0: you know, it's
1: and one of the things that I, I really struggled with at first but had to come to terms to grips with. I think a lot of people the reason why they don't go out and be entrepreneurs is because they're afraid of I'm losing a steady income, I'm losing this. Again, opportunity cost, but um, you know, at at the other place where you're at, um, your, your safety or illusion of safety is based on the business decisions that other people make, right? And so, you know, the, the one thing that I, I want to, to give and say is if you've got the passion for it, right, if you, if you really are passionate about it, and it's not just something that can be a hobby, but you know that people have made a business on, then take that risk. One one thing that really helps is is don't have any debt. You know, I I'm debt free. Don't have any debt. That really frees you up to make good decisions as an entrepreneur. But then just go after it. Um have the passion. Work really, really hard. As an entrepreneur, you're gonna work way harder than you would at any other job. I mean, it's just people think that entrepreneurs have the life and they don't realize that you never get away from your business, right? But just you're gonna work really, really hard. But just remember that. If that if that's a scare concern for you that you know what about money I'm not going to have a paycheck, it's just an illusion of safety. And as the recession that we had in the U.S. and a lot of other places around the world has told us that I mean, with a drop of a hat, your job could be gone, right? And so at least in the entrepreneurial seat, it's you live and you and or you eat or you don't based on what you do, right? And it's not based on what someone else does.
0: So. Man, I couldn't agree with you more. I have this conversation all the time with friends of ours who are like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I can't quit my job because I need the security. And, you know, I don't know how you do it, how, how you have your own business because there's no security in that. And the thing I always say to them is, why would you put your financial security in someone else's hands? You've got to hope that your <laughs> boss doesn't screw up his business because if he screws it up, you're out of a job. Whereas <laughs> exactly. I don't have that problem. I'm the only one that can screw it up and I back myself in here, right? You know, I reckon <laughs> I'm going to do a pretty good job.
1: Exactly. You're the only
0: other person I've heard articulate it like that, and it's I, it's it just resonates with me so much. Yeah I, yeah, I
1: feel with you completely, and that's that. I guess that's that's just
0: how my mind kind of works, and so yeah. <laughs> awesome, that's great. Hey, finally, who would you like me to try and interview on the WP Elevation podcast, and why? Gosh, let's see. If you haven't interviewed Jared uh,
1: Atchison, I have He's a great guy. Great guy, and this perfect really for um again for the audience that this podcast reaches because he's in the thick of that of the doing the consulting and doing the freelance piece uh all with him um you know he's he's got a lot of experience under his belt he's worked a lot with trying to make uh, more efficient workflows and how do i get more clients and How can I scale this business, you know, where I'm able to make more money without necessarily having to put more time? He's got a lot of great advice for that. So, Jared, we're, man, Pippin, I don't know if you've interviewed Pippin or not.
0: No, I haven't. There you go. So, I met Jared briefly at Pressnomics last year uh, and and Bill as well. We had a very, very brief uh, chat. So, there you go. Jared Atchison and Pippin Williamson. Keep your eyes on your inbox, courtesy of Thomas Griffin. I'm coming to get you for the WP Elevation podcast. Hey, man, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the podcast. I really appreciate it. This has been like an hour and 10 minutes. It's been epic, and I know you're a busy man, so I really do appreciate it. And I wish you all the best for Optin Monster and Soliloquy Slider and whatever else you uh, try your hand at. I'm sure it's going to be all successful.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much uh, for having me, Troy. I had a blast. And uh, man, I wish you the best with the podcast and hope you continue reaching and inspiring folks in the WordPress space.
0: Cool. Thanks, man. Take care. Thanks, you too. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the WP Elevation podcast as much as I enjoyed making it. It was over an hour and seven minutes, I think, with Thomas Griffin on the line. It was epic. He loved every minute of it too. We kept chatting after I stopped uh, recording. Uh, There's just lots of uh, goodness there, and lots of great stuff to talk about. This episode, of course, was sponsored by Obox Mobile, the uh, plugin available at Code Canyon for $35, which allows you to turn your WordPress website into a mobile friendly website. Not a responsive website, but a mobile friendly website. Completely customize the experience for mobile customers, mobile users, and uh, start using this plugin in your business to add revenue, to sell more services to your clients you can learn more see a video walkthrough of the plugin and download some emails some sales emails and some proposal templates at wpelevation.com slash obox mobile or one word obox and then the word mobile of course subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode join the other 15 and a half thousand people who get this delivered to their inbox every week at wpelevation.com slash subscribe and, of course, everything that we spoke about in this episode, all of the links and all of the resources and all of the highlights you can find in the show notes that are at wpelevation.com slash Thomas Griffin. That's all one word, all lowercase. No hyphens, no spaces. T-H-O-M-A-S-G-R-I-F-F-I-N. wpelevation.com slash Thomas Griffin. And remember to leave your comments underneath the video and tell Thomas the number one feature you would like to see in the next version or a future version of the Optin Monster plugin for your chance to win the pro version of that plugin valued at $199. Next week on the Wp Elevation podcast, I am very excited and we haven't recorded it yet. I'm very excited to be interviewing Jennifer Bourne from Bourne Creative. I've heard lots of good things about this gal. In fact, Jake Goldman from 10Up, when he was on the plugin, I think, said that I should interview Jennifer Bourne and ask her how she has managed to systemize and and put processes in her business so that she can deliver websites for her small business clients and still manage to make a profit. It's going to be very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are. Uh, So next week, Jennifer Bourne. Until next time, go elevate.